little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some have trouble. When you worry, you make it double. But don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. enjoying it in the booth a little bit too much. Thank you. Don't worry, be happy. Are there any questions? Let's close in prayer. Really, that's what God's word has for us today. Don't worry, be happy. Can you imagine life worry-free living? Let's go there for a minute. Can you imagine your life without any worries? No anxiety, nothing keeping you awake at night, nothing that gets you up in the morning and gets that knot in your stomach. Nothing happens throughout the day that makes you worry, makes you sweat, makes you fuss. Life without worries. Worry-free life. What word comes to mind? Throw it out. What do you think of with worry-free life? Money. All right, let me change my text for this morning. I heard someone say, heaven. I mean, it's paradise. Can you imagine going through life without any cares, without any worries? Uh, really, that would be truly paradise, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be paradise to be able to say, I don't have a care in the world? Paradise to know that we're loved and that we can love freely. Paradise to know that all of our problems are taken care of. All of our concerns are met. Is that not paradise? Well, we lost paradise. I mean, God has created us for paradise. He's created us to have a life that is worry-free. But when we rebelled, when man and woman rebelled against him, when we said we want to do it our way, everything changed. And we lost paradise. And now what we have, our lives are anxiety-producing machines. We live our lives no longer with that peace, no longer with that what we call shalom. Interesting concept, that word shalom, that word peace that we can find in the Bible, especially in the Hebrew. The word shalom talks about peace, not just a peace between God and man, and we know that with sin we lost that, but this word shalom has so much weight, it's peace uh, all of life. It's an economic peace. It's a social peace. It's this shalom that reigns and rules when God and people are in a right relationship. We've lost it completely because of the fall. Everywhere in life, shalom, peace is lost. Everywhere, it's in, in our economics. It's in uh, uh, all the fabric of our society. It's in our relationships. It's in our relationship with God. Listen, we no longer have that peace. And therefore, our lives have become anxiety-producing machines. So how can we? The question is, how can we be sober and sing, don't worry, be happy? I mean, really, how can we look at our lives and, and look at, at what is happening, even as Christians, even as those who have been set free? How can we be sober 
and sing or be realistic and sing, don't worry, be happy. Because all we have to do is, is spend any time in this life and know that worry is a byproduct. We seem to be this anxiety-producing machines. Well, the only way, the only way that we can sing don't worry and be happy and be sober and be in our right mind is if we know this reality. If we know the reality that there is a God and he cares. If we can come here and gather and know that we have a God who cares then we can start singing, at least whistling the tune. We can sing it with even more fervor, with more heart, if we know that our God not only cares, but our God relates. That God can see into our situation. He can feel for us, but also relate to us. Then we can sing even more. But boy, we can really let it belt out. We can sing, don't worry, be happy if we have a God who not only cares, not only relates, but a God who can help. And one who is able to enter into our pain and relate to it, but ready to relieve it. To do that which only God can do and to help and to be that mighty hand. We have such good news this morning. There's such good news. This is our God. We're going to look at one little verse of 1 Peter 5, and we're going to be amazed at the reality that we do have a God who does care. The good news, our God cares, our God relates, and our God is mighty God himself. Our God, you ready for this? Our God is ready. Our God is willing. And our God is able to handle our anxiety. Don't worry. Be happy. Let's look at God's holy and errant word this morning in verse 7. I'm going to pick up in verse 6. Mindful that we are reading God's love letter to us that reveals his character, the way he does care, the way he does act and relate, the way he is all-powerful. God's holy and errant word, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And in verse 7, our focus this morning, casting all your anxiety on him. How much of our anxiety? All our anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, this morning I come with anxiety. Anxiety to even preach your word, knowing that, God, I'm a broken sinner knowing that I don't have the gifts and the abilities to articulate who you are and what you have done for us, knowing that I don't have the power to reach in and change anybody's heart. But Father, I come casting my cares upon you, saying that you can do that which only you can do, and that is to speak through a broken sinner. Father, we desperately, because our lives are filled with anxiety and worry, Because we are broken, we desperately need to hear from you. Speak. Speak audibly in a way that we can understand. Father, use a broken instrument to speak truth. Open up our ears to hear the incredible reality of your love, your might, and your goodness. Father, open up our minds to understand what this means for us. And Father, open up and break our hearts to the reality that you do love us and you are calling us to cast our cares upon you. 
And Father, forgive us for the way that we see you and wonder, do you really care? Forgive us for our hearts who think that they're, they're self-righteous enough, that we're good enough, that we can do it on our own. Oh God, speak to our hearts today with power. And God, we ask that you would empower our feet, that we would walk in a manner worthy of this truth, to walk in a way that we continually are doing that which your word calls us to do and are casting our cares upon you because you do care for us. And Father, come speak in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our lives are anxiety-producing machines. Everything that we do, all of our relationships, all of who we are, do they not produce anxieties? I mean, really, every day that we rip off the calendar, every week that we start afresh, every year that turns, does it not just produce anxiety? I mean, there's such good news for those of us who are his, those of us who have been set free. There is joy and there is hope. And yet we still realize afresh every day there are anxieties for us to wrestle with. Let's talk about relationships. Are there any relationships that bring us anxiety? I mean, even for you students, I mean, going through uh, your classes, is there anxiety wondering, do I fit in? Where am I? Am I liked? Is there anxiety for singles uh, who are wondering, am I going to get married? Am I going to have a relationship with a helpmate? What about for those of us who are married? Is there any anxiety in marriage? Is there any anxiety trying to live with another uh, a sinner, another uh, who has been united to you in marriage? What about anxiety in relationship of raising kids? All right, first of all, we have the anxiety for those who have yet to been blessed by kids. And I know several of you that anxiousness, God, are you going to bless us? God, are we going to be able to have kids? And then, parents, do we not discover a whole new realm of anxiety when we got kids? I mean, I remember the first time that our oldest, Jesse, got sick, and the first time I really felt the weight and responsibility of dad, and thinking, wow, that anxiety that comes. What about the anxiety of raising kids? And for those of us who have teenagers, is there any anxiety there? Relationships, every single one of them. Not only that, what about, what about your vocation? What about your jobs? Is there any anxiety there? Making your numbers, becoming profitable, relating to those around you, relating to your boss. Is there any, any anxiety with our jobs and our vocations, our families? Any, any anxiety already right now? Thanksgiving's coming. How many of you are anxious about being with your family in a way that you think, oh no, what's going to happen? I mean, we have anxiety-producing lives in everything we do, in our families, in our jobs. What about our stuff? Does your stuff provide anxiety? Those of you who own homes, is there any anxious moments there? I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you know, uh, Reggie mentioned, I mentioned in the early service, that I don't have a doorbell that works in our house. We have two doorbells, a front and side door, and none of them work. And guess when you find that out? On Reformation Day, they come to your door, and they ring a what? Or doorbell. I'm like, man, no one's coming this year. You know, it's amazing. I don't have doorbells at work. Until you start hearing, hey, sir, will you open up the door? Katie's like, Jeff, have you noticed our backyard? We don't have any more grass. Two dogs. What's up with St. Augustine grass? It's evil stuff. You got to fertilize it. You got to water. You got to do all this nasty stuff. Forget it. Is there anxiety that comes with our stuff? There is. Our stuff produces anxiety, no matter what it is. And so we look at our relationships, we look at our jobs, even our very selves, even looking in the mirror, is there anxiety? I know there is in my life. Continually as I wake up, God, 
Who am I? Remind me who I am before you. Remind me of my calling. How, how do I best serve you? How do I best serve this church? Where do I spend my time? How do I minister in your name? Anxiety. We live our lives, and anxiety is a natural byproduct of them. And what are we going to do with our anxiety? We have one of three options. One of the things that we can do is we can carry them. We can carry our anxiety. Hey, I'm big enough, strong enough, bold enough, um, six foot three. I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but bigger than most of y'all. I can carry them. Or we can bury them. Say, no, forget it. I'll just bury my anxiety. It's not really there. I'm not going to really focus upon them. Or there's such good news, we can cast them on one who cares. Let's first of all talk about carrying our burdens. It's basically saying this, I can do this. Amazingly, because of our sinfulness, because of the reality that, that we want to be self-made men and women, that we want to do it on our own, that somehow, you ready for this? Somehow, we believe that it's noble for us to carry our anxiety and our cares. That somehow we'll say, well, I brought it upon myself. To be a man or woman really means that well, I'll just carry them myself. That I don't really want to humble myself and ask someone else to help me or humble myself and ask God to help me. And somehow in this macho society in which we grow up in, we feel sometimes that it's our responsibility to carry our burdens. It's not true. Somehow we strangely and wrongly think that we can handle it. I can do it. I can handle it myself. And somehow by showing weakness that you can't, that we're somehow not strong. And somehow we've done something wrong. It's not true. Let's look at God's word. Let's start in Psalm 55. I want you to see both in the Old and New Testament this beautiful reality that God has not created us to carry our burdens. He is not calling us to carry our burdens. He is asking us to cast our burdens because he loves us. And it's not so that we are strong enough in and of ourselves to carry our burdens. He says, no, I want you to cast them. You come to Psalm 55, verse 22. And the psalmist, David, writes this. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. God does not want us to carry our burdens. He isn't looking at our lives saying, I only see if you can handle this. Let me see if you can carry this. He says, no, come and cast them upon me. And then the beauty of Jesus who would come. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. A very familiar passage in Matthew 11. Jesus tells all of us who are heavy laden, all of us who are burdened, all of us who are filled with anxiety. And who does that include? All of us. He says this, come to me, in verse 28, 11, 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, God has created us to cast our burden on him. That's how he's created us. He's created us with power because we're in his image. But listen, think about this. God wants to reveal his character, his glory, who he is in our casting our burdens on him. It's by design. It is by design. Therefore, he calls us, cast your burdens onto me so that you can see my glory, so you can see my strength, so you can see my character. Can't you see that when we carry our own burdens, we rob God of that glory? We really rob God of his place, his rightful place. He says, come to me. I want to carry him. Come to me. 
cast them upon me. How arrogant of us to say that we don't need them, that we can carry them to ourselves. And really, this casting our burdens on him is our humbling ourselves before him. It's our acknowledging that we can't do it, and that's good. Remember, clothe yourself with humility was a verse we saw right before this. God wants us in his image to know that we are loved, know that we have strength in his image, but to know that he has not designed us to carry our burdens. He's designed us to glorify him by casting our burdens onto him. He's designed us to be able to do that to humble us. And how do we cast our burdens on him? How do you do it? Really, as I wrestled through this, it's living a life of prayer. Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. He says, pray without ceasing. What does he mean by pray without ceasing? He basically is saying, live our lives before God where we are continually in conversation and prayer with him. Doing things like this, God, I don't know if I can handle this. God, this is too much for me. God, I'm really being tempted right now. God, I'm not feeling good about myself. It's walking through life where we are continually having sentence prayer, sometimes nothing more than a groan, crying out to God. Why? So that we can wake him up. Why? So that he can't hear, so he can hear us? No. He's very aware of our needs. He's very attentive to all of our cares. Praise God. Why does he call us to pray continually and cast our burdens on him so that we remind ourselves? It's for us. It's for us to align ourselves with him, saying, God, you are almighty. You are sovereign Lord of the universe, and I need help. Therefore, I'm going to live my life casting my cares upon you. Let me ask you, what are you really struggling with right now? What is that thing that gets you up in the middle of the night? What's that thing that, that, that's waking you up and that knot in your stomach? What are you doing with it? Are you carrying it? Do you think it's, it's in your means and your ability to figure it out that you're just going to have to wrestle this thing through and you're going to have to bow on up and, 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 uh, and get it to the floor and say, I can conquer it? That's not what God's plan is for us. He said, I know you're burdened. And I know it hurts. Cast it on me. Come and, and, and spend time in prayer and follow. just remind yourself of who I am. Or we can bury our burdens. And cast, carrying our burdens says, I can do this. Burying our burdens says, I don't feel this. And I tell you, in the ministry, you see so many who have spent their life basically saying, I'm going to bury my burdens. It really doesn't hurt that much. And many times, and for those who have grown up in a, in a household where there was a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, um, you have a tendency to bury your burdens, a tendency to say, I'm just going to ignore them. I'm going to look the other way. And basically, the pain of life, the burdens of life, they, they lacerate us. They open up scars. And if, and if we just bury them, they're eventually going to come out. They're eventually going to soar. They're eventually going to uh, cause infection. I can promise you this, bearing our burdens will make them even uglier than they are now. They will surface. God has not called us to carry them. He has not called us to bury them. He says, cast your burdens on me. Cast them. I love this. This, this word that he uses here for casting our burdens is a throwing. It's like a throwing of a garment on a horse or a donkey that you're going to use to, to saddle and to ride. It's the same word that was used to describe in the Gospels when Jesus was making his triumphal entry and when they had that donkey and here he was going to ride in, uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, they cast their garments. They cast their garments on this beast to carry and to carry the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I love the imagery that Peter is using right here because the previous verse, in verse 6, he tells us to clothe ourselves, put on the garment of humility. 
that we are to clothe ourselves as a servant. We are to clothe ourselves with humility. And now he picks up on that same theme, saying that garment of anxiety that tends to drape us. You know that garment? That garment of anxiety tends to weigh down all that we have, all that we are. He says, cast it. Cast it on the one who cares for us. Cast all your anxieties on God. And here's the reality. Here's how, here's why. There's three points with this. God has called us to throw them upon him, believing that God is ready, willing, and able to handle our burdens. Listen, God is ready, willing, and able to handle our burdens. We know that. We can cast our anxiety on God. We know that because of three things. First thing is this, because he cares for you. He cares for you. In verse, the previous verse, it says that he has a mighty hand, that God has a mighty hand, that he's all-powerful. And there's often times in our life that we realize that God is all-powerful. He can do all things. But isn't there many times in our lives where those who have mighty hands don't necessarily have a tender heart? I mean, are there really people who have mighty hands that we really think, do they really care for us? Here is this beautiful, this beautiful portrait of who our God is. He is both mighty God who is able to do all things with his strong hand, but he's also a tender lover of our soul. What an incredible God that we have. He cares for us. I know there are times in our lives, there's storms in our lives, we ask the question, does he really care? Think of his disciples in that boat. Think of the storm that came. Now, these are, these are, are good fishermen that know how to negotiate the storms of life literally on the sea and there they were afraid for their very lives and there's Jesus sleeping on a cushion and they wake him up and they ask him this question we're gonna die and don't you care isn't that the way burdens allow us to see God sometimes doesn't that just skew the way we see God and who he is we want to say God are you asleep God, are you completely oblivious to the storms in my life? I mean, are you missing this, God? I am perishing here. And then, if we have the wrong view of our God, we might even utter these things, and some might even be uttering it this morning. God, don't you care that I perish? He does care for us. He does care for us. We know that he cares for us. He's made us in his image. He's wired us for himself. He's made us for a relationship with him. But there's better news than that. When we rebelled against him, says we want to do it our own way, he kept on pursuing us. Why? He cares for us. He sent us prophets. He sent us priests. He sent us kings. Why? To tell us about him and that he cares for us. But he cared enough to send the very best. Listen, God would demonstrate his love for us. He would demonstrate the most clearly way that he can that while we were still sinners, while we were rebellious from him, while we would never turn to him, while we were separated, him because, separated from him because of our sins, God demonstrated in the most incredible way that he cares for us that he would send his son to come and to live and to die for sinners like us. I don't know what your situation is right now. I don't know what burden you're carrying. I don't know what's eating your lunch. But I know that there's a tendency, humanly speaking, to look at God and say, do you care? Look at the cross. Look to Jesus. Look to the one nailed to that tree. Look to the one who's shedding his blood. Does he care for us? And then Paul will say it this way in Romans 8. If God did not spare his own son, will he not freely give us all things? He cares for us. 
He cares enough for us to send his very son. Now he freely gives us all things. We have a God. We can cast our cares on God because he cares for us. But there's more than that. He relates to us. I mean, isn't there times that you pray, you wonder, God, you seem so big. I mean, God, you're the creator of the cosmos, and you're, you're omniscient. You know all things. You're omnipotent. You're all-powerful. And there's times where I pray to the God who is separate, who is creator, that I really feel small and insignificant. And there's times I want to shrug my shoulders and say, can he really relate to my issues? You see, the beautiful thing about Christianity that separates it from any other world religions is that we have a deity, the beautiful truth of the deity who is fully God and yet would become fully man. That he would take on our weakness. That he would weep at the tomb of a friend. That he would know the pain of hunger. That he would know the pain of betrayal. That he would know our anxieties. There's such good news for us. Our God relates to us. He knows. He knows the pain, and he wants to hear our hearts reflected back to him. He wants us to tell him of the pain and the brokenness and the sadness, because, listen, he not only cares, he relates. Interesting time in our lives. Katie and I, on our four children, we have two in high school and two in elementary school. And, you know, it's, it's interesting interacting with my elementary school kids. Uh, just this week, our youngest, Allie, went to the zoo, and I came back. She came back, and I was able to sit down and now tell me about the zoo and you know, she's telling me the stories, and she's telling me about the smell, and telling me about the rain, and she's telling me about the zoo. It's great. And I talk to my high school kids sometimes, saying, hey, tell me what, what's up. Nothing. <laughs> really, what's new? Just tell me what's nothing. How you doing? Fine. And I'm coming to the reality. You know what? They don't think I relate to them. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, does, does dad really relate to the fact that I'm struggling in biology? Does he really relate to the fact that there's some relationships that are strained? Does he really relate to where I am? And I try to enter in and say, you know, I've been there. I know. You see, when you don't relate to someone, you have a hard time sharing your burdens with them. And here's the beautiful thing, that God not only cares. And if he cared, we would have such reason to rejoice. He not only cares, he relates. He knows your pain. He really, he knows it intimately. He knows it. He relates to you. And listen, if that's all we had, if we were able to say this morning, let's sing some really great praise song. Let's sing Don't Worry, Be Happy, because our God cares, and our God relates. We should be able to sing louder than anybody else in the world, but there's more. Not just a God who cares. Not just a God who relates. You ready for this? Our God can help. I mean, he's the sovereign God of the universe. He's created all things. All things are under his control. His hand of providence governs all things, including your marriage, including your kids, even the prodigal, including your job, including your financial situation. All things, God has the power to reign and rule over. There's no place that we can go. There's no anxiety that's too deep, too great. Listen, that our God can't lift up, that he can't carry there may be pain and anxiety that we don't even have the ability to roll off our backs. And all we can say is, God, come and take it. Mighty hand of God. Mighty hand of God. Mighty hand of God is our God. And he's a God who cares. He's a God who relates. And he is a God who can help. Isn't this incredibly beautiful? Our God has a mighty hand and a tender heart. And I know that there are some here this morning that have a hard time relating to that because the only one in your life, a father figure in your life, had a mighty hand, but not a tender heart. 
But that's not the reality of our God. He has both. And the reality for us as well as a church. Listen, God is calling us to cast our cares on him. But we must become a church. Being a church and an anxiety-filled world that they can cast their cares upon us. This is a call here from Orangewood. The call here from Orangewood is, is for us to incarnate Christ's care. We have to remember that we are the A-plan. That God has rescued and saved us. And will someone buy me a new Bible? Don't buy me a new Bible. I got plenty of them. Some of you think, oh, the Spirit spoke to me. I, uh... Listen, we can't miss this, okay? Come back with me. God has rescued us through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, and now we are the A plan. We are. He has made all things new. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He has given us new life in Christ, and he's calling us, Orangewood, he's calling us to go and to bring shalom, to bring the peace and the rule and the reign of God wherever it is torn, wherever it is broken, wherever it does not exist. So we must continually ask ourselves, are we a church that is bringing peace and prosperity to those around us? Not prosperity in necessarily the way they see it, but prosperity in the way we see the gospel. And so here are the questions we have to ask ourselves continually. God, what have you given to us, first and foremost, a relationship with him through Jesus? What have you given to Orangewood that we can be a blessing to others, that we can advance Christ's kingdom, that we can bring peace and shalom wherever we go, Maitland, Altamont Springs, Longwood, Apopka, Eatonville, Holden Heights, Mexico City, Japan, Turkey, wherever God has called us, we have to ask ourselves, because we are the A-plan, we are called to bring shalom, we're called to bring the peace of God, the kingdom of God to those around us. And here's what we must do. We must be a church that cares, because he cares. We must care about those outside these walls. We cannot just be an island. It cannot just be about ourselves. We must exude and, and, and incarnate care. And how do we show we care? Well, we have 5K races that, that will tell our neighbors that we care and we love our community. We have fall festivals that say, come and here's a safe place because we care. We will have a Thanksgiving breakfast, especially to those uh, firemen and policemen that say, we care. Listen, we say whatever we have, it's the Lord. So if you need a place to meet, come here. Here it is, city of Maitland, come. We care. Whatever resources we have, come because we care. Because we do care because God cares. We care because you're an image bearer. We care because God has called us to be salt and light. And we must be a church that cares. You heard me a few weeks ago sit right here and say, hey, you know what? I often don't. I often don't. It's all about Jeff. But we can't, it can't be all about Orangewood. We can't just be all about how we feel. We got to be a church sitting on the edge saying, God, how have you gifted us? Because we want to go. Because we want to show the love of Christ to others because we represent you. We are the A plan and you care. You know, I love the reality that God has placed us so strategically, easy for me to say, right here. I think of the relationship we have with Reformed Theological Seminary. I think of this incredible counseling program and say, God, I think one of the ways we can reach and show that we care is to expand our counseling ministry. And we're in the works with that. And I'm hoping and praying that, that we can bring that to our city in so many ways. There's so many opportunities to say we care. We have to do it through our school, through all of our ministries. But we also have to communicate that we relate. We must be accessible to this world. We must be. Now, here's our challenge. We must be able to contextualize the unchanging truth of Scripture, the unchanging truth, the unchanging truth of the gospel. 
God has called us to stand and stand firmly and boldly and say, this is what God's word teaches, and we're unashamed about it. But we want to speak it in a way that they understand, that they can relate to. We need to contextualize that. We've got to continually go where they are. We can't be a holy huddle where they, they don't seem that they can relate to. We've got to be a place that we're honest and humble with one another, saying we're broken sinners too. Come on, there's a place for you because we relate to you. We know that we stand on grace and grace alone. We've got to be a place that can help. We have to continually be asking the question, what does our community need? What do we need that we can meet? What needs do they have that we can meet physically, spiritually? Anything where shalom is out of place, where the fabric of our society has been ripped because of sin, we have to continually ask ourselves the question, how has God uniquely gifted us to go and to relate and to care and to provide help? Does that excite you? To me, that's just a church. And that's being the church. And I'm so excited. I know that because God has called us and he loves us, he wants us to call and to love others. Listen, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. This must be the reflection of our lives. We can't live our lives. Listen, we can't live our lives as Christians with our heads down. We can't. We can't. Our lives need to be markedly different than the world's. Here's the reality. They can't cast their burdens until they repent of their sins and they come to Christ by faith through his grace. They can't do that. But God has redeemed us. He saved us. And he wants us to sing the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. He doesn't want us to forget reality, but he wants us to say, I love you. I've set you free. You are mine. I'll never let you go. Don't worry. Be happy. Therefore, we must live our lives with our heads up. We must live our lives with a joy in our hearts. And we must be singing. I know there's times it's hard and there's seasons for that. I understand. But if we're always downcast, We've forgotten the reality. We've forgotten the reality that we have a God. And listen, there's such good news he cares. We have a God, and there's such good news he relates. And we have a God who can help. That's our God. And it should change everything about the way we live our lives. Even the way we live our lives to the last breath, even the way we die, we can cast our cares upon him. In the very few last moments of my grandfather's life, as he laid in a hospital bed ready to meet his maker, his wife, my grandmother, took a break and went and got coffee. And my mother uh, came in and, and did what she often did, and she sang to him. And she sang to him a song that was familiar to him and to her. And she sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And the last act of living here that my grandfather would do was he would reach up off of that hospital bed and reach his hands to glory. And then his face reflected that he appeared into heaven. He was gone. But we knew that even in death we could cast our cares upon him because of what Christ has done, that he does care for us that he does relate to us, and he can help us in our greatest need. This table is a reminder. It's a reminder so we have a tendency to forget. It's a reminder that he cares for us. It's a reminder to come when we're broken and to come and to feed upon him and come and bask in the reality that our God loves. Now, here's what we're going to do. Uh, in a few moments, as the worship team comes forward, uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna read, uh, Reggie's going to lead us in a prayer. 
And after that, we're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And then there's going to be a time of silence. There's going to be time for you to just cast your cares upon him and prepare yourself to come and to be mindful of what Jesus has done for us. To be mindful that the Father does care for us. The Son and the Spirit does care for us. And we'll come and we'll partake together. We're going to come forward today. I'll give you more instructions um, in a bit. But take this time. Take this time in song. Take this time in silence to do business with your God. Are you trying to carry your own burdens? Are you trying to bury your burdens? Come and cast them. Because listen, don't worry, be happy. He cares for you. He relates to you. And he is mighty God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the way you love us and the way you have set us free. Free, Father, from our sins and our unrighteousness and free now to come boldly and cast our cares upon you knowing in reality that you do care for us. So evident, Father, you give us a picture in this reality of this table, of your care, your son's care, your spirit's care. So, Father, turn our eyes afresh upon Jesus. Let us look into his marvelous face. And God, through the power of your spirit, would you allow those cares to grow strangely dim. And, Father, may we be a church and a people that incarnate this care to this world. For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.